I'm Effie Parks. Welcome to Once Upon a Jane, the podcast. This is a place I created for us to connect and share the stories of our not-so-typical lives. Raising kids who are born with rare genetic syndromes and other types of disabilities can feel pretty isolating. What I know for sure is that when we can hear the triumphs and challenges from others who get it, we can find a lot more laughter, a lot more hope, and feel a lot less alone. I believe there are some magical healing powers that can happen for all of us through sharing our stories, and I'll take all the help I can get. Once Upon a Gene is proud to be part of Bloodstream Media. Living in a family affected by rare and chronic illness can be isolating, and sometimes the best medicine is connecting to the voices of people who share your experience. This is why Bloodstream Media produces podcasts, blogs, and other forms of content for patients, families, and clinicians impacted by rare and chronic diseases. Visit bloodstreammedia.com to learn more. Hi there, and welcome to the show. Once a month, I release this extra special episode in a series I call A Rare Collection. It features a few people in the rare disease community, each telling a true story with the same theme. I'm super excited to present the 26th episode in the storytelling series. I've always been moved by storytelling, and I believe there is so much power in them for both the listener and the storyteller. I'm the luckiest podcaster ever in that this is what I get to do for fun, passion, and purpose. The theme for today's episode is School is Out for Summer. Here's a story from Karen Pratt, mom to Luke and Jack, who both have walks. When schools are about to be out for the summer, it's usually a very stressful time for me. I have two boys, ages eight and five, and I depend on on the school care to be able to do my thing, to be able to work and, and do other things. So when summer approaches, it's usually a very stressful time. I need to start preparing for it about a month or two in advance. And I always wonder, if this summer will be different, right? If this summer is going to be the one where, where things fall in place. And the story for this summer is that after years, exactly three years waiting for a nurse for Jack, we finally got one. The reason that we didn't is because he got approved for one right before COVID started and then there were no nurses. So I was used to receive the call from the agencies just to tell me they didn't have someone. So in late May, I received a call from the agency again. And they were telling me the news I was, I thought I was never going to receive. And is that they had a nurse for Jack. Finally, I was jumping up and down of happiness. I'm like, it's finally happening. One of my boys is going to have care. This is amazing. And to make a long story short, it wasn't that happy. You know, I made my post so excited. And the nurse that they sent was a very emotionally unstable person. She wasn't charting anything. She didn't know how to operate the feeding pump. Didn't follow any instructions. The supervisor came to check on us because... She wasn't submitting any charts and she lost her mind. She started crying. She sat on the whole of my house, like where the rooms are, crying, sitting on the floor. It was a crazy experience. Conversation with the agency, I was like, why did you even send someone like this? So they felt horrible. They quickly found someone else and 
this person, she's a great nurse, but she didn't disclose that she had a back injury. And Jack is, you know, over 40 pounds dead weight because he doesn't have a lot of muscle tone. He cannot walk. He can only sit up by himself. So 98% of your job is going to be doing transfers. And she didn't disclose that until her back started hurting a lot. And she'd say, well, I can keep coming and just keep him on the carpet and you do the transfers for me. I was like, well, what is the point? You know, what is the point? Away goes this nurse and they finally send us another one who's been great, but she cannot work all of the days of the week. So I'm still left with a full day a week where I don't have any help and someone to care for Jack and I have to move appointments around that and work meetings around that. Yesterday, which is the day she doesn't come, I had to take a meeting for work and I left Jack feeding, you know, with the pump on. While I was in the meeting, I thought it was going to be okay. He was safe. And when the meeting ended, I went to check on him and he had popped his extension out. And so he was just, you know, sitting there covered in formula because the pump continued to work while pumping formula on him in the bed. And it was just a disaster. And it made me be late for a great event that we had later for the boys. And I don't know, it's just the kind of things that get me so frustrated of not having that person that I need to do the things I need to do. And on the other hand, for Luke, my oldest, he's literally, this is what they say, he's not disabled enough to qualify for nursing. He doesn't walk or talk. He's 100% dependent on an adult, but he's not disabled enough for nursing. So for him, I have to depend on DDA funds and trying to find a caregiver. They give me limited hours, so I cannot offer this caregiver full-time. So it's incredibly hard to find someone. I have not had any summer since we got DDA with a person to care for Luke. It's just so incredibly hard to find someone that will fill the very short amount of hours you are given that will take the super low pay they pay. And a person that actually has experience and can actually take good care of him. So we don't have any caregiver for him for the summer. Thankfully, he has summer school. It's just a couple of hours in the morning, Monday through Thursday for the month of July. But other than that, I am here with him and another summer working my schedule around this situation. I love having my boys home, but it makes it nearly impossible to do anything that requires your focus. Here's a story from Julie Anderson, mom to Lily, who has CTNNB1. While other families are preparing for summer by opening up their pools and plotting out getaways, my husband Dave and I start mapping out a plan for our five-year-old daughter Lily to get through the next few months with as few hiccups and as few meltdowns as possible. Summer has become synonymous with anxiety and stress for our family. When the temperatures start rising in March, a sense of dread starts to build within me. You see, Lily has a rare genetic disorder called CTNNB1 syndrome. Her body does not produce enough of an essential protein called beta-catenin, and as a result, Lily has a slew of issues, 
including being unable to walk without assistance, dystonia in her feet, and bouts of muscle pain. She is also nonverbal and struggles with frustration with her limitations. And we've noticed a pattern that these meltdowns increase in frequency during school breaks, and in particular during the summer when the breaks are longer. Lily thrives on the structure and stimulation that school provides. And this is mostly in part due to the constant attention she receives from teachers, aides, and therapists. Structure, stimulation, and attention that we as parents cannot realistically provide while we just try our best to balance full-time jobs, managing a house, self-care, etc., etc. I've seen a trend on social media about bringing back old school summers for kids meaning lazy, easy summers at home that aren't filled with busy schedules or summer camps. When I first saw this trend, I felt a familiar pain in my heart that I felt many times before. A sharp and quick longing for something that's just not realistic for my family. And a sense of resentment. A reminder that we have an isolating and in so many ways difficult circumstance. I've learned to navigate this quick emotional ouch better over time. I allow myself to feel it. I adapt and I move forward. A lazy, easy, old school summer sounds like a dream. I remember having summers like this as a child in the late 80s and early 90s. I remember summers that felt like eons filled with nothing to do but ride my bike, go to the nearest pool, eat popsicles outside to the sound of crickets and read book after book. I resent that I just simply can't have an old school summer because Keeping Lily busy is of the essence for her sake and for mine. In the summer of 2021, Lily had her first real summer break from preschool. And that's when we had our first encounter with intense meltdowns resulting from boredom. That's when I truly realized boredom for a kid like Lily doesn't look the same way for many other kids. That summer, I foolishly attempted to balance the impossible of working from home with Lily home on her break. Even with the help of my mother, we discovered Lily hit a wall after being home for too many days continuously. I posted a cry for help in our CTNNB1 Facebook group for parents. Lily has been in a very fussy, irritable phase for the past week, I wrote. We think it's because she's on summer break and is bored. She's been hitting and punching her head almost hourly, along with screaming and crying. I'm trying so hard to be patient, but I've lost it and screamed at her a few times. Just looking for any tips on helping Lily and helping myself. Lily struggles to regulate her emotions that summer, transferred to my husband and I. Lily was angry, frustrated, and sad, and so were we. But we're adults, so we have some more composure over our emotions. But man, it was really tough at points. I so desperately wanted to help Lily. I so much wanted to meet her needs and guide her through each wave of emotion. But this desire to help was to no avail. Each short period of calm was soon followed by an inevitable and unpredictable phase of frustration and stress. When I look back at videos of myself during this time, I can see a deep sadness in my eyes. It's the closest I've ever felt to being at my wit's end. We survived that summer. Her school's extended school year program helped quite a bit, but we were really able to breathe a sigh of relief once school started again in the fall. This is one of the many learning lessons we've had with Lily feel my feelings, adapt, and move forward. Since this time, we have learned it's of the utmost importance to plan ahead. By the summer of 2022, Zave and I strategically used vacation time during Lily's weeks off to provide her with the attention she needed. We plan outings and activities, 
We created a mini water park with blow-up water toys in our backyard. It was accessible for Lily and provided hours of fun. We increased her therapy to make up for what she was missing in the classroom. And we took breaks for ourselves for self-care and leaned on family for help. It's not to say we had a perfect summer, but we found ways to make it a joyful experience for Lily and all of us. We were more adept at riding waves of emotions and developed Lily's version of summer break fun. It's now our third summer break with Lily off school. And while I still have those same old feelings of anxiety going into break, I'm prepared. I got ahead of it. And for the first time ever, I've even enlisted help outside of my family. I hired mommy's helpers to engage with Lily and tend to her needs while I work from home. Dave and I are again strategically planning our vacation time, setting up the same mini water park in our backyard and arranging for outings to nearby accessible fun activities. I wouldn't have imagined myself to get to this point two years ago, but I think I'm getting better at this. Feel my feelings, adapt and move forward. That's what we did. It may not look the way we always imagined, but we made it work for Lily, for our family, and ultimately we found joy. When I think back to that first summer when I felt so hopeless and fearful for the future, this is all I could ever ask for, and that's what keeps me going each and every day. And yet, we are still silently counting down to the fall. Here's a story from Jennifer Spina, mama to Nora, who has an undiagnosed developmental epileptic encephalopathy. When I think back to my own childhood and I think about the memories I have from summer break, it's swimming and, you know, running in the woods and just exploring with my neighborhood friends and just in general being carefree. And when you have a child with physical and cognitive disabilities, summer break looks a lot different than what you expect. And I guess I just want to acknowledge that there are so many reasons why disability parents seem to withdraw a bit from the world. The first being that just the world is generally inaccessible, right? Most places that are designed for typically developing children aren't designed for a larger child who may still use diapers or uses a wheelchair. And that alone can be incredibly intimidating, the amount of planning that has to go into it and the uncertainty of, is there going to be a place where I can change my child with dignity? Or is there going to be a staircase or gravel that I have to push my child's wheelchair through just to even get to the activity that we planned? Not to mention the socially intimidating aspect of it, which, you know, is just, it's hard to be different. It's hard to be stared at. And sometimes you feel like you have to put on your armor and prepare yourself if you're going to go out on an experience like that. And then, you know, there's the other reason, which I struggled with personally a lot, especially in the early days of diagnosis, was it can be very painful to be surrounded by the able-bodied comparison of your child. For the first couple of years, I actively avoided going places that I knew were going to trigger me. And I remember many times getting in the car after going to the playground or a birthday party and just bawling. Why is running, walking, playing so easy for every other child, but not for mine? And it seemed so horribly unfair. And, you know, there will likely always be an undercurrent of that feeling to some extent. Although over the years, it's, it's gotten easier. When Nora was about 18 months old, we 
moved our family into a new neighborhood. And this neighborhood had a lot of families with young children, which was great. That was why we moved there. We wanted that experience for, for our children. And, you know, just thinking through how do you how do you meet people when you move into a neighborhood? Usually you meet them on the street when your kids are playing or you meet them at the playground. And I mean a very concerted effort. You know, my husband and I said, we are going to do this. We're going to get outside of our comfort zone, even though it is hard to be the different family at the playground. And we got out there and we made friends. And over time, we would hang out, you know, we'd be hanging out at these friends' houses and they all had a number of children. And I realize now in retrospect that at first, all the other kids would be playing And I tended to keep Nora with me, with the adults. So everybody would be playing, running around, and Nora would just, you know, be in the kitchen with the adults, sitting by herself, watching her iPad. And it wasn't intentional. It just happened. I don't, I was just used to her being with me and it was what I was comfortable with. But over time, as she got older and a little bit more mobile, I realized that she wanted to be with the kids. She wanted to be in the mix. And... You know, they would all, all the kids would be running around from room to room, but I'd put her in the toy room and you know, she was, she was engaged. She was involved. And a couple months ago, I remember this very vividly. It stuck with me. There were about eight or nine neighborhood kids playing and my eight-year-old neighbor yells from the toy room, Hey guys, come look. Nora's crawling. Oh my God, Nora's standing. She had pulled herself up on the couch and they had never seen her do that before. And I watched as, you know, eight or nine neighborhood kids age three to 10, they all come running in super excited to see what Nora had done. It was a simple moment, but I reflected on it a lot because I think I realized that these are the kids that are going to be going to school with Nora. She might not be in their class, but you know, the, They'll be in the same school. And based on their exposure to her now, that's going to determine whether they see her in the hallway and, you know, she's a wheelchair user, nonverbal, whether they see this, this girl who they don't know who is different than everything they've ever experienced and ignore her because, well, they don't know her and she's different or they see her and they say, Hey, Nora, or they see her and, you know, she's taken a couple of steps and they're excited for what she's accomplished. And I realized I didn't want to be the reason that she was being kept separate from experiencing the relationships that she would have experienced had she been neurotypical, right? I didn't want to be the one that was keeping her separate and denying her these opportunities. And on the flip side, I feel like these kids will experience true inclusion at least as it pertains to, you know, physical and cognitive disabilities. And by that, I mean, you know, true inclusion to me is it's not, you know, hosting a school assembly assembly where you have a special education classroom and the you know typical classroom together in a very contrived setting. True inclusion happens when you're no longer actively thinking about it because it's just such a standard practice in your life, right? That's just you're just exposed and live to differences and living authentically alongside them. And to me, that was, it was just super powerful. 
I hope you've been enjoying this podcast. If you like what you hear, please share this show with your people and please make sure to rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also head over to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to connect with me and stay updated on the show. If you're interested in sharing your story or if you have anything you would like to contribute, please submit it to my website at effieparks.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show and for supporting me along the way. I appreciate you all so much. I don't know what kind of day you're having, but if you need a little pick-me-up, Ford's got you.